Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Everything is Fine, a podcast for women over 40. I'm Kim France. And I'm Talia Bacassis. Today on the show, we've got an Everything is Fine first, two guests. Heather Cox and Jessica Morgan are here. They're the women behind the hilarious and fun blog, Go Fug Yourself, which brilliantly lampoons and also praises celebrities' red carpet looks and paparazzi shots. The site made Entertainment Weekly's must list and was named one of the 50 most powerful blogs by The Guardian. They're also the authors of two YA novels, Messy and Spoiled, as well as the adult novel, The Royal We, and its sequel, the recently released and brilliantly great, The Air Affair. I made their acquaintance a million years ago after writing an email when they made fun of a lucky cover, and I'm positively thrilled they're here with us today. Welcome, Heather and Jessica. Thank you. Hello. Can I just ask for you to each identify yourself so that we know whose oh, voice is whose? Sorry. Yes, that was Jessica. I forget that people didn't know that. And this is Heather. <laughs> you cannot see my face. <laughs> no, I know. It's tricky. I think um, we always joke that one of us needs to adopt a really absurd accent for the duration of something like this so that you know which one of us it is. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll just be Vera Southern for the rest of this podcast. <laughs> How did you get started writing about celebrities' outfits? Did I read once that the idea for Go Fug Yourself was born over a brunch? Uh, close. We were at the mall. Um, we w- <laughs> Same vibe. We were at the, we were at the Beverly Center. Uh, this was a million years ago in 2004. And it really was just like an accident. Um, I mean, it wasn't an, an accident, exactly. It was... Uh, just something we like started riffing on all of the ads and like movie posters and whatnot at the Beverly Center were really hideous for some reason that day. (laughs) And I think both Heather and I had had like a really absurd amount of caffeine. And we started (laughs) riffing on the idea that maybe we were like too old to get what the trend was and that like kids really want to look hideous now. And that that's always true. Yeah, that the trend was to be as ugly as possible. (laughs) And we thought we were hilarious. And, you know, this was like, in 2004, people just started whimsical dumb blogs just to like 
be humorous for, <laughs> yeah. for themselves. So it was never like, it wasn't a money-making thing really at all. And back in the day, it was just to kind of like crack on stuff. So we just started it for kicks and it took off. And, you know, we were on um, Hillary Care's podcast, uh, Second Life, a few weeks ago. And she she was like, well, what was your business plan? And I was like, Hillary, we did not have a business plan. And we still don't have a business plan. And I don't advise this at all. Um, but yeah, so we just kind of started it for kicks. Now, at the center of Go Fug Yourself is this very close friendship. And I've always thought one of the reasons that you guys are so consistently funny is because you're trying to crack each other up. <laughs> Do you think Go Fug Yourself would work as well if you weren't so close? And what are the challenges of working with somebody you're so close to? I think that's a good point, actually, because that is often my barometer for something is I'm like, well, you know, like if Jessica, if Jessica takes the time to be like, I read that post, and it was really funny. I'm like, oh, like <laughs> I've done it. I did it. I've, every, today's going to be a good day. But, you know, I think that is part of it just because we we have the same sensibilities. And like, she's my favorite writer. So anytime I, you get a, a kudos from your favorite writer, you feel like a million bucks. And that's pretty good motivation right there. And I think, you know, because we are friends, I think our lack of business plan, the flip side of that is that our business plan is that we're friends. We're friends first. Mm. Um, we want to stay friends. That has to still exist at the end of all this, whenever that comes. So anything that comes up, we debate it with care. We try to take the other person's needs and lives into account. Like we're careful about which hills we choose to die on because, you know, I know that if I called up Jessica and was like, listen, I cannot do that. I cannot, I just can't do it. That she would be like, okay, like we'd talk it out. But if I was like, I just, for me, I just really need us not to do this or I need us to do this that she would understand that I wasn't asking that rashly, that I wasn't asking that just to do it, that I'm not just going to ask her that of everything. And I think the reverse is true. Like we're measured about the way that we discuss decisions because we want to make sure that they work for both of us because the friendship absolutely has to be there. Like she held my children in the NICU. Like hmm. they have to know her for their whole lives. Aww. So anything else is not an option. And, and that maybe for a lot of relationships that wouldn't work, but that has really worked for our business relationship because it means that the company always does what works for the two of us. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think it easily could have gone the other direction because I think sometimes when you're really close with a person you work with, you might be like less professional with them because you have a personal relationship and it might get stickier to have a disagreement because it could become a a more personal disagreement. And I think it also could be a thing where like, you know, you're always like sometimes meanest to the person that you love the most because you know they're gonna like continue to love you. Mm. Luckily, Heather and I don't really act that way, but I've seen other friends who work together kind of get in like a sticky situation where the fact that they are so close makes their business relationship more complicated. Um, and I think that we are just very fortunate that um, our, like our personal makeup doesn't really lend itself to going in that direction. Right. Mm. Was there ever a time when you feared that you'd gone like too far with something that you wrote? Oh, all the time, I'm sure. <laughs> Especially in the earlier day. Like nobody is the same person on the internet in 2020 that they were in 2004, I hope. Mm -hmm. I certainly am not. And I'm glad of that. I think we've all grown up and we've mm -hmm. all learned a lot about what it means to have an audience. We've all learned a lot about, you know, just being human beings in that amount of time. Like, and we're still learning. So, you know, there's always like we try to make GFY and its comment section a good, healthy place. It has not always been that. It, there will also be days when it still isn't. But like, you know, in the early days, you think 
for example, it took us a while to stop discussing body weight. I'll admit that. Because when you're young and you're living in LA, you think you're doing a good thing by pointing out if you feel like an actress has maybe gotten too thin since she got famous, like you think you're crusading because, you know, it's against the industry that's forcing this to happen and like it's not mm-hmm. healthy and it's not right. And then as you grow up, you realize, well, you don't know what's going on in that person's life. And like that's their body and like that's their business. And I learned that by we had written something about something Cheryl Crow wore at the Grammys and um, it had like a very revealing cutout and there was, you know, some ribs and whatever. And we talked about that a little bit. I don't actually remember what I wrote, but I do remember that shortly thereafter she revealed she'd been going through treatment for breast cancer. And it's just, that was really the moment where you're like, God, you don't know what's going on in a person's life. And you just have to trust that they and their loved ones are on top of whatever it is. And also like, Nobody concerned trolls in that way about people who are of a different size. So mm-hmm. it's like, you, it is, well, they do, but they don't on our website. Really. They do, but they don't on our website. And, and we wouldn't. And people were like, well, if you wouldn't worry about someone's health in the other direction, why are you doing it in this direction? And you're like, you know what? You're right. But people can be healthy in all different shapes and sizes. And it's not our business. And that was a good, le- like, I'm glad we learned that lesson when we did. Mm. I'm glad that we had the space to learn it. You know, I'm glad that people sort of understood that we heard it and we learned from it and we adapted from it and we grew from it. And I'm glad we had the chance to do that. Otherwise, we might not still be here. (laughs) I mean, I remember this leads to my next question, sort of. I remember you guys when you came up to visit me at Lucky. We were taught it was right when Brittany was kind of coming back from one of her many, you know, unfortunate incidents. And you guys were like, yeah, I'm so happy she's not crazy again so we can write about her again. Yeah, I don't think I would have put it in those terms. Uh, you probably if, didn't. Uh, we were I'm having sorry. that discussion this year. <laughs> no, I probably did. Um, but yeah, we have um, a thing on the website Heather and I always refer to as the Britney rule, which is that if the person's personal life, and it's obviously like a, a moving target, uh, if the person's personal life has issues that are quite serious, like and acknowledged and acknowledged, uh, like when Brittany had her breakdown or for example, for a while when uh, Rihanna was going through the situation with uh, Chris Brown's domestic abuse, we like stop covering them because their clothing is immaterial to what is happening with them. Like GFY is really only fun if it's like punching up and Brittany got to a point where she was clearly it wasn't punching up anymore. She was really going through something and it's not fun to make fun of like the ugly pants of someone is, who's having like a mental breakdown. Like get, mm-hmm. this is not appropriate. Right. So yeah, I mean, obviously we don't know what everyone's going through. Everyone is having a mental breakdown right now, probably. But <laughs> I mean, we did try to be like, this still has to be fun. It has to be funny. It has to sort of feel like lighthearted. And especially back in the day when that was happening, we were a lot meaner than we are right now. And it felt particularly mean to be making fun of Britney. Well, also, I had a shtick where I like wrote as Britney, which was really fun for me to do as a writing exercise. But like, I can't be writing as someone who's clearly going through something like so serious in her real life. So yeah, I mean, I feel like this stuff's only really fun if if it can be like lighthearted and, and it's not piling on. Right. Mm. Yeah, But on the same side, you have to stop short of deciding somebody has a mental illness that isn't, you know what I mean? Like some people will be like, don't you think so-and-so if they're wearing those pants, it must mean that something's (laughs) wrong with them. And you're like, well, no, I'm not a clinician and I'm not going to tell this person you wore 
lace up pants, therefore you are mentally ill. Like that's not a correlation we are looking to make, but like a lot of these problems are acknowledged in public and you're sort of like, all right, well, we're going to step away and let them deal with them. And yeah, we rarely do put the Britney rule into effect. Cause honestly, if like wearing ugly pants meant you had serious <laughs> mental illness, like <laughs> everyone would have serious mental illness sometimes. I mean, maybe everybody does, but like, uh, pa- ugly pants are not, uh, in and of themselves a sign of, uh, um, no mental health issues (laughs) sometimes ugly pants are just ugly pants would you write about like kanye right now no no for sure not i was actually just thinking that i was like yeah no we we already sort of leaned out out of covering kanye but yeah i think he yeah we're not Mm -hmm. i used to write as kanye too and i don't think that's super i'm we stopped doing a lot of that stuff and um but yes now in particular no yeah do you think that some of that compassion came as you got older oh yeah for sure A hundred percent. Like, I just think that I was thinking this earlier today that I think when you're young, you really feel in addition to just like instinctively kind of feeling like, you know, everything when you're younger, things seem very black and white. Like Mm -hmm. this is right. This is wrong. This is good. This is bad. This person's um, dumb. This person's smart. And like, I think as you get older, you realize, wow, everything is very complicated and people are very complicated and life is very complicated and everything is sort of shades of black and white and like Mm -hmm. people contain multitudes and you really don't know anything about anything. Like I feel like as I get older, I kind of have realized like, wow, I was such, I mean, I'm still a know-it-all, but like I was a real (laughs) know-it-all back in the day. (laughs) And I think for me, like the older I get, the more I realize like, I don't know anything about anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And being able to admit that and being like, I don't know. So I got to figure it out. Um, Knowing what you don't know is an important trait. And I also think uh, when you're younger, well, maybe this isn't an age thing, but I do think for me personally, like ego, especially when you're just starting out as a writer and you're getting some attention, you know, your ego kicks in and you're sort of like, well, people really respond to this. We're getting a lot of attention because we're being extra mean or we're being, you know, that extra barbed thing is what people seem to respond to. So we got to keep doing it. We got to keep doing it. And you can run the risk for sure of doing something for longer than maybe would otherwise be advisable. And it sort of stunts your ability to grow and sort of become that more compassionate version of yourself that you need to be that more mature version of yourself. I would imagine that also as you started attracting bigger and bigger advertisers, there was a little bit of an onus placed on niceness. No, because advertisers never read the website. Here's our issue. (laughs) Oh no. They would never get past the name. We had so many people being like, you need to change the name of the website. Cause like I'm making up this, this ad. But like Johnson and Johnson does not want to have their baby powder advertised underneath a thing that says, go fuck yourself. Like when we had someone who used to be trying to sell like big ad placements for us, they could never, ever, not never, nine times Almost out of 10, they, they could not do it because the people would be like, no, we're not going to go Pat. We can't do it. It's called go fuck yourself. No. And we, at the time it was a quite frustrating for me and Heather because these advertisers would be advertising on like Perez Hilton, who at the time um, yeah. was like drawing penises on people's faces. <laughs> and wow. we would be like, if you would read the website, you'd see that like our readership is very smart and savvy and will buy your face cream or whatever you're trying to sell, but they could not get past the name. So I don't think our content mattered at all. Huh. We're going to take a quick break for some ads. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Support for Everything is Fine comes from Ritual. So I love Ritual. Everyone knows I love Ritual. I talk about Ritual all the time. I particularly love its daily, their daily multivitamin, and I also really have been enjoying their melatonin. But the thing I love most about Ritual is their Hyacera. It's a once daily skin supplement that's clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. In a clinical study, Hyacera led to 3.6 times reduction in crow's feet wrinkles within 90 days as compared to a placebo. Hyacera led to 2.9 times increase in skin smoothness within 90 days as compared to a placebo. You can enhance your skincare routine from the inside out with one daily capsule essenced with soothing vanilla. I love Hyacera. It's been rigorously tested and validated. It's one of the industry leading sustainability. It it meets, sorry, all of the industry leading sustainability standards. You know, I'm a beauty editor now. I am all about keeping my face plump and Hyacera absolutely has done that for me. I've been on it for months. I don't even know how long and I can really see a difference in the texture of my skin. My skin looks more juicy, I guess, is the best way to do it. Say it, do it. Uh, Okay. So you can start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash fine. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription to get today. That's ritual.com slash fine for 25% off. Welcome back to Everything is Fine. So celebrities' private lives used to be very guarded by publicists, and now they put everything themselves out on social media for everyone to see. Is that a good thing, and how does it affect your work? I cannot keep up with everything. I will post something, I'm trying to think of an example, and I'm, well, here's one I had totally missed. So tomorrow we're putting up the uh, Cardi B L cover. And I read the story and I had completely missed this whole thing that was mentioned in the story. And I was glad they mentioned it in the story because it would have come up in the comments where I guess she described her child's eyes and her husband's eyes using a racial slur. Um, So if that had not been in the L cover story, I would have probably just written this thing about the cover and been like, great. And someone would have been like, oh, okay, so we're just ignoring the fact that she used that racial slur. And I would have been like, oh my, what are you talking about? Like, I feel like I cannot keep up with the things that celebrities are putting out there. And so oftentimes someone will have to come in the comments and be like, 
did you not know that they said this? And I will be like, genuinely, genuinely, I did not know this. And that, <laughs> I did not know that no, that because happened. you can't watch all of their stories and see all of their posts and all of their everything. Yeah. No, and I can't follow all these people or else I won't see anything from the people who are in my actual life who I do want to keep up with on a real way. Before, it was just sort of like, didn't you see the thing that was in people or whatever? And now it's like, but didn't you see her Insta stories or didn't you see her on TikTok or didn't you see the Instagram comments where she got into it or didn't you watch, look at comments by celebs and see the thing? And I'll be like, I didn't. Like, I, it's, it's an avalanche of stuff and it's impossible for, to keep tabs on all of it. And I can't imagine being a publicist in this era either. Oh, my God. Yeah. There are no filters anymore. If I were a publicist, I'd be like, you are not doing your own social media. I know you think you can handle it. <laughs> Three people can do it. Chrissy Teigen can do her own social media. That's um, <laughs> yeah. Maybe Chris Evans. And other than that, the rest of you guys got to stay home. Like, stop it. Don't post it. Don't say it. Don't do it. Like, I do. I would be such a mean publicist. But I'd be like, this is a net negative. You're going to get in a fight with someone. It's going to be a mess. I promise you this isn't going to go well. Oh, Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift can do her own. She's pretty yes, good at it. that's true. And I'm sure there's Mindy Kaling to get at it. There are people. But like, I just think if I was a publicist, I would be waking up in a cold sweat every single morning because I would be like, who did what today? Don't (laughs) say anything. I would send them. There's a saying that Jessica and I have, which we got from somebody. It's from Amy. Oh, it's from Amy? Amy Spaulding? Our friend Amy, who's an author, um, who is great. And I want to plug her because she's great. Amy Spaulding. I would send all of my clients like mugs, t-shirts, whatever, mouse pads, sure, that said... It's a text, not a tweet, to remind them. (laughs) And this is something that Jessica and I still sometimes trip up on this. It's a text, not a tweet. Like, if you're thinking it, maybe consider whether you should just text it to your friend and not put it out there on social media for the whole world. And I really feel like that would stop about 90% of some of these brouhaha's. That's really good. That's hilarious. I have another author friend. Her name is Liza Palmer. She's great. She has an acronym, and it's ribs it. Run it past someone. Rips it past is it run it past or run it by run it by someone ribs it like (laughs) sometimes she'll just send me links to stories and it'll just say ribs it like you should (laughs) have asked your friend about that before you posted it but I mean like speaking of like getting older and and whatnot I am so glad there wasn't Twitter and social media when I was considerably younger because I'm a hothead and I have a tendency to pop off and even at 45 it gets me in trouble and I it would have got me in really massive trouble at 25 or 20. I would have been a nightmare. It would have been a disaster. I, sh- I would have had to take my own phone away from myself. Like I, <laughs> I, I like praise God every day of my life that my youth was not on the internet and that I did not have the access to tell people what I thought about them 24 seven when I was younger, because I mm. would have told them things. And later I would have thought, yeah, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> <laughs> now you've covered fashion week for cosmopolitan and the cut, not to review yeah. the clothes so much as to write about the scene. What's the most outrageous thing you ever saw at the shows? Oh, this is a good question. Oh, the first <laughs> night show I went to at Bryant park was baby fat which was Lee Simmons line and it was always Mm. a fun show to cover because she got a lot of celebs there was never an empty seat in the house and it was it was always really fun this is the first one I ever went to and I'm in standing room and the tents uh, at Bryant Park it was in the big one which held like a ton of people and so I'm way up at the top and there's a a kerfuffle in the front row and I think it was Nelly or was it 50 cent or Nelly I can't remember Either Nelly or 50 Cent, like, got in a physical fracas with someone because that person stole his front row seat. 
like a like a physical altercation and it was the greatest thing that ever happened as a celebrity like front row reporter that people came to actual physical blows and I remember we only got one ticket to that show and I came back and I told Heather I was like there was a fist fight at Baby Fat it was so great and then later the longer we did fashion week the more I like respected this because stealing someone's front row seat is ballsy and not appropriate. And I promise you, people at Fashion Week, every single day of every single Fashion Week, have wanted to get a physical altercation with another person. And he just did it. And I respect that. It was great. And it was also, the cuts um, archives are screwed up. So I can't really find the story. I wrote about it, but I was like, this is great copy. Oh my God, this is amazing. That was really fun. That was pretty amazing. Um, mm. I miss Fashion Week sometimes. I do too. Like I was yeah. saying to Heather, and this is, it was when we did it for the cut. Um, it was kind of like the height of celebrities going to Fashion Week and getting paid like exorbitant amounts of money to sit in the front row. It was really fun because it was a really fun experience for us. And there was a lot to do. Like as it, you know, I think Fashion Week is dead now, but as it was dying, it got to a point where we would go to a bunch of shows and have like nothing to cover. And that was as a writer kind of frustrating because Mm. you felt like you weren't doing your job. And it was demoralizing a little bit to not have anything to write about. I mean, it still would have been fun had we not had a job to do. Like if someone was paying me an exorbitant amount of money to just sit there and like not turn in a story later, uh, who cares if there's nobody there? But when we were there during sort of like the celebrity front row heyday and we were working crazy, we would file like 40 stories a week. It was exhausting, but it was also really fun because people were nuts crazy things would happen. There was always at least one or two shows every season where I was like, well, this is it. I'm going to die. I'm dying in this show. Like, I'm going to die. We're, this building's going to catch on fire and I'm going to die. Or whatever. We were at one show in Bryant Park during, it was a February fashion week, it must have been. And um, it was raining, like crazy cats and dogs outside. The seat I was in was next to a leak. So there was like water dripping through the tent at Bryant Park. And I was like, this tent's going to collapse. The models had like guns at that show as part of their styling. And I was like, I can't die at like a gun positive Miss 60 show. This is not how I'm going out. I did not die. Spoiler. I live. We all lived through that. It was fun. Are there celebrities who reach out to you after being featured on GFY or... Which ones have reacted the most rapidly? Sorry, I can't talk today. I think for the well, most part, no. There's a couple. I will, like, I we've interacted say, with Chrissy Teigen a couple times. She's delightful. The biggest celebrity, I think, who's been direct, the nicest to us, like, to our faces, or indirectly and directly, has been Kirsten Dunst, who is a delight. Um, oh. We were really mean to her back in the day, and she was always, like, an amazing good sport about it. I remember she was on a the press junket for I think it was Elizabethtown and she said we were geniuses and we were not being nice to her then and then at one point a few years after that before we were really on Instagram there was someone who was using part of our name as their Instagram account but it wasn't us she dm'd us on twitter to be like you guys i think someone has hacked your instagram because it's looking crazy right now and i was like that's not us but thank you she's like oh i was really worried thanks for letting me know and the fact <laughs> Wait, that she Kristen like Dunst per- did that yes <laughs> she reached out to let us know she was worried someone had hacked our gram isn't that sweet <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's pretty she's great. Like, it's so nice she's like oh my mom and i were really worried about it like isn't that great <laughs> she seems like really good people she's yeah. a delight 
I have such a soft spot for her. And I happened to see her. Um, I was trying to go to a restaurant locally in LA and it was too crowded. And so I had, I was leaving the restaurant to like catch my friend before she parked her car. And I held the door for the people who were going in. And as I look up, it was Kirsten and Jesse Plemons. And she was like, I think she had their baby like two days later. Mm. And it was like all I could do not to be like, oh, hey, you look great. Congratulations. Like, Heather, you don't know her. Like, don't <laughs> do this to this pregnant celebrity who was just trying to have one last nice meal before she has this child. And obviously I know her and she doesn't know me. So it, would, it just, you have that where you have to bite back the familiarity that you think oh, of in your funny. heart that is not actually there in real life. Sarah Michelle Gellar is another one who is Oh yeah, she's been amazing. Awesome. Really? She's been really yeah. supportive. She's been really supportive of our books. And occasionally we would recap guilty pleasure TV shows on the site. And she was in one called Ringer. That was a one season wonder on the CW that was dramatic and soapy and delightful. And she had a horrible wardrobe in it. And we were recapping that and kind of making fun of her wardrobe. And she wrote us a note that was like, we're working on it. I promise. And she wrote a really <laughs> like, she had a good sense of humor about the whole thing. and was just delighted. People were enjoying the show and she's been super supportive of the book. And these are people who don't yeah. have to do any of that stuff. Right. Like we were already covering Sarah Michelle, Michelle Geller's show. And like, you know, she didn't have to put the book on Instagram. Like, like we don't know each other. Like these are people who've kind of gone out of their way just to be cool. And I do think it's interesting that both of them are like well-adjusted child stars. Cause I feel like that's unusual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also with on the Kirsten Dunst tip, I'll never forget. We used to do the post Oscars fashion wrap up with Joan Rivers, who was amazing. And one year, you know, because so Joan would do the red carpet and then we would do like the after show the next day. And one year, Kirsten Dunst was at the Oscars for whatever reason. And when she got up to Joan, she opened up her little purse. And do you remember when Joan and Melissa were in those M&M ads as like anthropomorphized M&Ms? <laughs> yes. They were. Kirsten Dunst had torn one out of the magazine and brought the M&M ad to Joan to have her cite it because she loves her so much. I thought it was so sweet. And Joan, while we were on break, she's dead, so she'll probably haunt me for telling this story. When we were down on commercial, she's like, well, I hated that outfit, but she's so sweet about the M&Ms. We can't be too mean to Kirsten. (laughs) So nice. Like, it was was like the whole experience there was really like a very sweet uh, and, and lovely moment. I'm happy to hear that about Kirsten Dunst because she's gone through some tough times. Yes. Give it up for We're Kiki. Written- <laughs> I know. We're rooting for you, Kiki. Always. At least in the day. I don't know if it's still true. We were probably the website that celebrities didn't want to admit that they read because they didn't think it was funny if it was about them, but they kind of loved it if it was about someone they hated. <laughs> so like, right. like, I feel like like Lindsay Lohan might have gotten a prickle of satisfaction if we wrote something nasty about Paris Hilton and vice versa. But like, if we wrote it about them, they probably wouldn't have cared for it. So they didn't want to know. Right. Not that I think any of those people are reading our website, but that's just the best example I can come up with. Oh, um, come on. They're mm-hmm. all reading your website. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think any celebrity should be reading any coverage of them on the internet Mm -hmm. ever. Don't. True. I don't think they're listening here either, so don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about your book. Can you tell us about it? Okay, so our new book is called The Air Affair, and it is the sequel to our most recent previous book, uh, The Royal We. And The Royal We is like very vaguely based on William and Kate's romance, but Kate is an American, basically. And this predates Harry and Meghan, just by the way. So The Airfare is the sequel to that. It's kind of like what happens after these two people get married and what's like the other side of the fairy tale, I guess, is how you would put it. All the problems they have, like post-wedding 
I don't know if that sounds very engaging. It's hilarious no, and great. Also, you should buy it's it. It's very funny. It's, it's very, very, very funny. Very funny book. It's Thank really yeah. smart. And like everything you guys write, it has a really big heart. Thank you. Thank it's you. funny. Like when we started writing books, we were trying to be funny all the time. Mm. But then we slowly realized that the heart was the part we liked the best mm. and that the heart stands out more if you're not trying to wallpaper the whole thing with like funny, 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 right. funny, funny. Like you just, you have to pull back on that a little bit. The funny stands better if it's not just constant barrage. That ended up being some of the stuff that we like to write the best. It's like the stuff that really tugs at you. I recently found some of my high school stuff. And it was like, when I was in high school, in addition to grades, you would get uh, like little comments and I forgot what they were called, but they, you know, your teacher would write you like little notes about your progress. And mine, I found it recently from my AP English teacher junior year. And it said, Jessica sometimes sacrifices content for a joke. And <laughs> no I read way. that and I thought, holy shit, Miss Fisher had me like dead to rights. That is um, still a tendency of mine. So I think that in our novel writing, we've been trying to not sacrifice content for a joke. Yeah. Mm. Right. And what's behind your fixation on the Royals? I don't know that it is a fixation on the Royals exactly. I think yeah. we were switching lit agents just before we sold the Royal We and the book came out of a conversation we were having with her because the Royals were just in the news. And so when Kate and William got engaged, there was a lot of interest in her fashion, how she was going right. to present herself. It was sort of a natural well of content for the website. Mm. And of course they were everywhere. And so at whatever time, I wish we could remember what she and William had done something. They'd either recently gone on tour or they'd been out. And so when we were just chit-chatting with our future lit agent, we were talking about how like relatively smooth seeming that transition had been for Kate from civilian and weighty Katie to fiance to Duchess of Cambridge. And we were like, there's no way that's not a pressure cooker. There's no way that's not brutal. Like you suddenly are the most famous woman in the world. And what are the ripple effects of that? And I can't remember if she said it or one of, I think she was sort of like, somebody needs to write that book. And we were like, Mm. oh my God, we need to write that book. (laughs) We need to write that book. And in fact, she then became our agent and she sold that book. So I think for us, it's almost more that it was this interest in these aspects of fame and how toxic it can be. And people who have either chosen a career that they know comes with fame or people who have sort of chosen to live their lives on Instagram in such a way that gives them fame. But either way, it's more of a choice. But then you look at the royals who are famous or infamous at birth simply because they're related to certain people. They've never known any other way. They've never really had any other choice um, up until now, I guess. That's just sort of something that was handed to them. And so how do they deal with that? How does that affect their life? And then when you have bring someone into that, in our book, not only does it affect... Bex's life, but it affects her family. It affects her sister. It affects her relationships with other people. It just just sort of affects the way that other people look at you. Suddenly you have friends in your lives for whom your friendship is now transactional or expected to be transactional. Like, shouldn't you want to boost your friends if now that you have all this newfound notoriety? And so I think we just sort of enjoyed exploring the consequences of all that. Yeah. I would say that I, as a reader, um, really love books about what I call um, rich people with problems. Uh, I love a rich person with problem book at the Royals are kind of in many ways, the ultimate rich people with problems. Um, they're very, very rich. <laughs> so yeah, it sort of just fits into my own, like what I like to read as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm very fixated with them. So I'm, I'm, I'm very down with it. I'm down for a Royal wedding always. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Yes. 
I seem to recall that you guys did a lot of research before doing the Royal We and presumably before the Air Affair too. What's the funniest or craziest thing you learned about the royal family? Oh, okay. The tiara that Margaret wore to Elizabeth's coronation fell in the toilet right before the coronation and they had to extract <laughs> it with forceps. No. <laughs> they cleaned it off. Yeah. That's no way. Yeah, I love that. Have you mm. guys have you guys read the book 99 Ways of Looking at Princess Margaret, by the way? No. I haven't, but I've heard it is delightful. Oh, it's a delight. You write books together. How do you swing that? Um, it's a lot of emailing back and forth. I'm sure there are more sophisticated ways to do it. But um, Jessica and I always joke that we don't like to write in Google Docs because it's very the note is coming from inside the house or like someone (laughs) like you can see when the other person's cursor is suddenly in your document and it's blinking. And if they, and suddenly, so it's like, as you're typing, if you're like, is Jessica somebody's watching watching me me type? Yeah. Did she have it open? And then she left the tab open on her browser and walked away and doesn't know that she's there. Like, is she, I'm like, I'm still working on this. So we don't do it that way. We will attempt an outline with varying degrees of specificity. Um, I think our outlines have only gotten more and more long winded as we've written more books, which is, weird you'd think we'd get better at it <laughs> but so then what happens is um there's this really awesome sophisticated decision making system it involves uh flipping a coin and <laughs> so we'll say who wants to start and if one of us doesn't actually have an idea percolating we will say heads or tails and we feel okay you start and the person will sit down and start trying to write a book and usually that means going through like a chapter um and then when they feel good about it sends it to the other person the other person writes through it edits it adds some notes, changes, whatever, adds a chunk, maybe adds the next chapter. It's funny because I, you know, I think a lot of people think, oh, well, there's two of you. So you each wrote half the book and, or did you write dialogue and someone else wrote descriptions? And it's like, no, we literally, in a weird way, we have both written every single word of this book because we're both reading through and editing and writing through like every Mm -hmm. single piece of it. Um, And I think that in the end is why hopefully it doesn't feel like it was written by two people. Right, right, right. No, it always reads remarkably like one voice. Thank it you. really does. That's that cool. is the goal. Wow, this time has flown by. It has. Thank you, ladies. This is so much fun. So normally at the end, we say, like, where can people find you? But, I mean, obviously, you, you can be found at gofuckyourself.com. Um, Correct. And we want to tell people to go buy The Air Affair and The Royal We. Yes, um, please. Anything else? No, I think that's I it. Just so. register to vote. Make yes. sure you are oh registered to freaking vote. And all your down ballot, down ballot races. It's not just about president, although that's a big one, but like every it change happens at every level and we've got to make it happen. I think that we can ask Heather and Jessica this question we've stopped asking people. <laughs> oh. Dun, dun, dun. Music. I need a music sting there, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, basically, we had this question that started off where at the end of the interviews, we would ask people for their one beauty secret product. Um, and then it kind of morphed because some people didn't want to answer that question. And also we got some listener feedback. Some people loved it. Some people hated it. They felt like it was superficial at the end of a really interesting conversation about something else to like pivot back to beauty. Um, so are you saying Kim that I should ask it as the beauty question or are you saying that I should ask it as the like life advice question? I think that Heather and Jessica will give us some very quality beauty products. More than life advice, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I can only speak for myself. (laughs) Heather's life advice is excellent. (laughs) All right. I'm getting way too much credit here. Well, you you did tell everybody to go register to vote. But um, do you have any beauty products that you swear by and that you feel like 
or not enough people know about and that that's your like secret weapon? I do have one. Mine is Trader Joe's has a hair mask and it's like $3 and Whoa. it is great. Go get your Trader Joe's hair mask. It smells like coconut. It's going to make your hair soft, smooth, beautiful. It's cheap, stock up because they run out. So buy like three or four. It's fantastic. Also, you know the old trick where you can use hair conditioner to shave your legs? If you choose to shave your legs. Yeah. Did you guys not know this? Mm -hmm. Yes. No. Throw out your shaving cream and use hair conditioner. Cheap hair conditioner is so much better than shaving cream. It's yes. I, don't even, I don't even use shaving cream in the first place, but, um, well, yeah. me neither. I use soap, but I also use Cetaphil. Cetaphil for shaving your legs also really works because it softens things up. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. This was so fun. Thanks so much for listening to Everything is Fine. We are your hosts, Talia Bacassis and Kim France. If you like the show, be sure to rate it and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you have suggestions for show ideas or anything else, email us at tallyandkim at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram that is EIF Podcast, and you can find Kim on her blog, girlsofacertainage.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.